And you are tuned into Canadian Patriot Radio. Welcome, my friends. Well, what a time to be alive in Canada. We have gone straight up totalitarianism, <laughs> fascism, medical tyranny, whatever you want to call it, it all ties together. Isn't it something to be alive right now, my friends? And what we are going to do in the pre show is we are going to uh, shift our focus over to BC because we've got a lot of. Um, a lot of pushback <clears throat> right off the bat to the to uh, this craziness that we are watching in our country. It is absolutely unbelievable. <clears throat> and uh, the first article comes to us by way of Global News, and the title reads, Some Kelowna Businesses Pushing Back Against Vaccine Cards. This is written by Kathy Michaels. It was posted August 26, 2021. <clears throat> Some Okanagan, Okanagan businesses are pushing back against mandated vaccine cards, says that the incoming rules, saying that the incoming rules will be impossible for their staff to enforce and are discriminatory. Other Kelowna business, one Kelowna business owner who was quick to state opposition to the new health measures is Jason Alton, owner of Rico Bambino. Having long anticipated a card or passport coming into effect, he went to the wine bar social media account after the rules were announced and posted his thoughts. We do not discriminate against gender, age, color, religion, gender expression, national orientation, marital status, sexual orientation, vaccinated or unvaccinated, Alton said. Everyone has been and always will be welcome at Rico Bambino. <clears throat> the post has since been shared hundreds of times and has seemingly spurred a social media movement among some Okanagan businesses and organizations who, who have also stated their opposition to any rule that would see them refuse service to someone based on their vaccination status. A growing number of those in opposition can be found on Facebook in, a, in the group BC Businesses Against Health Pass, which, is, which now has more than 35,000 members. Alton wants people to know he doesn't have a pro or anti-vaccine stance, and he's happy to comply with other health measures that have been inst instituted. I just think it's your choice to take the vaccine, but it should be private, he said. He also said having his staff enforce mask rules has been challenging enough, but asking for vaccination information will be impossible to enforce. All, it, all of it will create a divide that he can't afford. To ask if you're vaccinated and to turn more people away, I can't do it. We are struggling. Businesses are struggling right now, he said. By taking a stance against health measures, Alton, Alton knows he will face repercussions. Regardless, Alton believes it is, his, it is his moral obligation to take the stand, come what may. The Ministry of Health said in an email, We expect all relevant businesses to comply with public health orders and the province will be engaging with them over the next several weeks to support them in this work. If indiv individuals or businesses do not comply, there are enforcement measures, such as closure, that can be considered. The Kelowna Chamber surveyed its members on the issue over the last few days and 57% of respondents said they were supported, supportive of some sort of vaccine verification system for non-essential activities if it meant getting back to normal business levels, but 36% were strongly opposed. 
Our members have strong feelings on, on this subject, Jeffrey Robinson, president of Kelowna Chamber of Commerce, said in a press release. The common ground seems to be a desire to return to normal, but there are fundamental differences over whether requiring some private businesses to refuse service to unvaccinated customers is consistent with that goal. Chamber members also raise concerns about support for the business for those businesses that will require to implement vaccine verification and want clarification on how it will be among other things. There needs to be clarity so that employees are not unfairly put in conflict with customers. So we would encourage government to re-examine the timeline for implementation so businesses can fully understand and reasonably plan for what it appears the government is going to ask them to do. The Chamber Executive Director Don, Dan, Rogers, Dan Rogers said. It's, you know, stepping out for a minute, it's absolutely shocking to me that these people right here the chamber executive director, like, are all for this. You know, it, it's it's staggering, honestly. Provincial health officer Bonnie Henry, oh, she's in trouble, isn't she, friends? <laughs> we'll get into that later. Acknowledged Monday when she announced that card, that, excuse me, the card that conf, uh, conflict may arise with staff members of local businesses enforcing the card. These are the challenging things that we will be facing throughout this pandemic, but it is very much the same thing as looking at proof of identification of age to get into a bar or nightclub, for example, Henry said. Uh, no, it is not. It's not even remotely close to the same thing. You are asking for medical records. It's, it's illegal. It's illegal in this country. To a- it's, it's so illegal on so many levels to be asking for that. To gain entry to it. Oh my God. This is straight up medical tyranny. It's funny that these people live in this dystopian bubble. That they they think that what they're doing is justified and right. They don't even get it. Good Lord. We We will be working to support businesses in how to manage this. We are making it as simple as we possibly can to have a confidential way of determining people's immunization status. As per the new rules... Only vaccinated people will be able to attend indoor ticketed sporting events, indoor concerts, indoor theater, dance, symphony events, restaurants, nightclubs, casinos, movie theaters, fitness centers, and organized indoor events like weddings, parties, conferences, and meetings. Organized, how in the fuck are you ever going to make people that are getting married enforce that on their families? Holy, do you want to talk about overstepping? A website will be publicized prior to September 13th where British Columbians can access their proof of vaccination and save a copy to their phone. The Interior Health Region may also get some of the rules instituted earlier than other areas of BC. Alton says he thinks the measures are coercive and unfair and an unfair use of power. They also uh, may be working... They also may be working. On Wednesday, the province recorded a significant increase in number of vaccine registrations and bookings for first doses, particularly among people under the age of 40. Oh, God. On Monday, August 23rd, there were 8,909 new registrations and 7,347 new appointment bookings. This represents a 174.8% increase in daily registrations and an 88.6% daily increase in bookings compared to the previous Monday, which recorded 3,242 new registrations and 3,896 bookings. On Tuesday, August 24th, there were 10,175 total new registrations and 9,486 new appointment bookings. This represents a 201.3% increase in registrations and a 124.4% increase in bookings compared to the previous Tuesday, which recorded 3,279 new registrations and 4,228 new appointment bookings. So people are being coerced. There's no other way to look at that. Like, look at those numbers, like the jump in it. And and the government is just totally okay. The government is totally okay coercing people into experimental gene therapies. Now, I don't care if the FDA or the, the Canadian, uh, the Canadian, uh, oh, crap, the name's escaping me right now, but they approved it too. I know that. I don't really care. I really don't care. Without long-term effect studies, they are experimental. So you can say whatever you want. And plus, we already know that the FDA, the whole FDA approval thing was just shady as all hell, my friends, don't we? They, they approved some 
common commentary or commentary, whatever vaccine it is that's not even available yet. And Pfizer is still actually on emergency use authorization only. They played some dirty pool and they fooled everybody with it. But it doesn't matter. This this stuff that's going on in Canada right now is unbelievable. This is medical tyranny defined. Absolutely defined. And the government is is straight up taking a cowardly approach by forcing private businesses to do it. Now, honestly, if if private businesses are going to jump on this train, I hope they all fucking fail. I hope they're the they can't afford to do it. Now, let's get the show started and we're going to stay on the topic of BC right after the intro. We'll be right back. Welcome, friends, to Canadian Patriot Radio, where conspiracy is not theory and political corruption finds the spotlight. CPR, we are committed to upholding Canadians' God-given rights to life, liberty, and freedom with all thy sons. Command. Welcome back, my friends. <clears throat> I got a clip of a guy from BC. Um, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, there's no no attachment telling uh, who he is, but the, he has just amazing words that I think echo a lot of our thoughts. Um, I'm going to just let him t- say his piece here, and then we will comment after. Good morning. I'm talking to you from British Columbia, Canada. I've had a lot of people jump on here thousands and thousands and it's shocked me ever since I got on here that that many people are dead against all this shit just like I am it makes me proud it makes me happy to know I'm not alone and it's really made a difference in my life to see some of the comments coming from you people that are willing to stand and fight like I am they've just told us in British Columbia, Canada, that they are going to have a vaccine passport as of September 13th and stop any unvaccinated people from going into restaurants, from going into gyms, basically from going into anyone's business, I would take it, pretty close anyway. And we've also been warned by our Prime Minister, that little girl called Justin Trudeau, that he plans to stop us from traveling on trains, buses, planes, all that kind of stuff. Now, he says it's a free country. That's what he said. He said, Canada's a free country, but if you're not vaccinated, you can't do all this shit. And he said to you unvaccinated people, don't get the vaccine, that's fine, but there will be consequences. Well, I ran around to all the different businesses, restaurants, and everything that I frequent, and I said to them, I'm going to come and have my last meal here. It was nice knowing you folks, but I won't be coming back. 
once September 13 happens. And what's the answer I got? Don't worry, sir. We are not going to be abiding by any of those rules. Every one of them. In fact, there's just over 50,000 of them across Canada that are not going to support a vaccine passport. Power of the people. These people aren't willing to lose their businesses. There's a lot of us that are not vaccinated. We're not vaccinated for a reason. And it's not always because we think the vaccine is bad. It's because we think the government is bad. We think the so-called leaders are way off track on this. Now, I get a lot of comments, people telling me, oh, you know what, Uh, why don't you save lives and get vaccinated? And vaccinated people, we're saving lives. Well, a person in our family already died from the vaccine. Another one is now permanently paralyzed. So if you want to come here and look me straight in a goddamn fucking face and tell me I'm saving lives by getting vaccinated, I fucking dare you. Boom. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm, I myself am dealing with the exact same thing that he had mentioned. You know, my, my mom is in the hospital due to two Pfizer vaccines. <clears throat> uh, it is my, my personal opinion is because the two Pfizer vaccines. Uh, she is showing all the exact same symptoms uh, that you and I and everybody else that is looking into these adverse effects that are happening because of these vaccines uh, that, that, I, that I've seen. Uh, blood clotting all over the place. So I, I echo this, this gentleman's uh, sentiments. You, you want to come at me and tell me I'm saving lives by getting a vaccine while I'm, you know, my mom nearly died just about twice or just, you know, just recently twice. Very close one time. Yeah, I'm good. I'm fucking good. You're never going to actually convince me to get this shot. After, you know, and even before my mom went into the hospital, just the adverse effects of people reach basically screaming from the rooftops just to be heard. And each one of those stories is heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. These aren't anti-vax people. These are people that did this in good faith. Like they're, you know, we have to understand. That's the one thing is we have to understand that everybody did this for good intentions. They meant the, they meant to do well. Uh, they are they are extremely misinformed, but you can't strip the fact that everybody got vaccinated thinking they were doing the right thing or thinking that they were helping. And now these people, a lot of them with adverse effects, are are left to to struggle on their own. They have no help. Doctors basically laugh and scoff at them when they tell them this is a, a, as a result of the vaccine that I got. Now, <clears throat> let's uh. Let's turn our focus over to a Western Standard article that was written actually um, probably about three weeks, three, almost four weeks ago now, three weeks ago. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It's very, very relevant. It's staying on the topic of BC. And uh, the title reads, Dr. Bonnie Henry ordered to stand trial. Dr. Bonnie Henry will stand trial beginning April 17th, 2023. <clears throat> uh, this was by Reed Small and it was written three weeks ago on August 11th, 2021. British Columbia's provincial health officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, will stand trial and address the concerns of BC-based organization, the Canadian Society for the Advancement of Science in Public Policy, or CSASPP for short. We're just going to say CSA for the remainder of this article. The self-described nonprofit, nonpartisan, secular, and crowdfunded organization's objective is to counter BC's COVID-19 related measures, which have been in place since March 18, 2020, when the provincial government declared a state of emergency. The ball got rolling on Tuesday morning when the CSA had their first hearing. It initially filed their class action suit on January 26, 2021, and Henry must personally, personally submit to answering their questions while under oath. Yesterday's hearing, a judicial management conference, was strictly procedural, meaning it was not meant to deal with any of the allegations CSA is making in the action. But it did, however, ensure that the process going forward is not unreasonably delayed. During the hearing, the Crown opposed solidifying a trial date, saying it was too premature. CSA argued it was appropriate and the judge agreed. 
Dr. Henry, in her capacity as the Provincial Health Officer for the Province of BC and the Crown, will stand trial as ordered by the court starting the 17th of April, 2023, writes CSA in an August 11th release. It will be set for 40 days. We also intend to conduct her examination for discovery well before that. That's the one right there. The, <clears throat> the discovery is the one we really got to watch because that before the trial, she, she'll probably be busted right there. <clears throat> and you guys know what for, uh, the fact that they didn't have any reasonable grounds for the emergency measures they put in place. We all, we all already know that all, all the listeners of the show are fully aware that no province in Canada, including the federal government and the, uh, Canadian health <clears throat> agency or, uh, our top, our top health couldn't produce any, um, purified samples of SARS of a SARS-CoV-2 virus. We all know that. We've been saying that for weeks now on this show. You guys are completely well versed. <clears throat> that this but the important thing about this is she's going to be under oath admitting it. So this is the one to watch because well there's two to watch. This is one of them. The other one is in BC as well. That's why we're focusing on BC in this show. <clears throat> uh okay, where were we? The certification he hearing will be on the week of June 20th, 2022. For those of you unfamiliar with class actions, a certification hearing is very important, argu arguably more so than the trial, this said CSA. During yesterday's hearing, the Crown told the judge that it would like more details regarding what the defendants are being sued for. The judge told the Crown they've been in possession of the suit since January and therefore should not need much time to discern what the al uh, alleged concerns are. He ordered the Crown to provide their request by August 25th, 2021, which has already passed. The public was able to listen to the hearing via teleconference option. The public, yeah. Crown counsel advised the judge prior to the hearing that they had not been consulted in our request that public access be made available to, by teleconference for the hearing, writes CSA. Our judge said public access is important so far as it does not violate the rules of the court. He also said the public should be able to listen in real time to what was happening and be informed of any orders that are made. The judge stood down the, stood down the court until the teleconference was up and running in order to ensure the public was able to listen. Both parties will return to court for their second case planning conference on September 27th, 2021, as ordered by the judge. Instructions on how the public can listen will be updated on CSA's website closer to the date. On their GoFundMe page, CSA describes how an astronomically low infection fatality ratio, testing kit pr uh, producing false positives, and the disappearance of the seasonal flu, and an uh, overall lack of adequate evidential foundation are being increasingly questioned by legal scholars, small business owners, physicians, nurses, and the scientists selling the tests, civil, liber civil liberty advoc advocacy groups, and many more. Since we filed, we've been overwhelmed with public support, said Kip Warner, executive director of CSA, in a June 3rd interview with the Western Standard. Millions of people worldwide are turning off corporate and government news sources as they rediscover the value of thinking for themselves. Consider that we didn't even put out a news release, and yet awareness of our campaign went viral, no pun intended, <clears throat> shortly after we filed. The BC government stands by their actions. As this matter is presented before the courts, we will not be commenting, commenting on the litigation or the plaintiff's organization, a spokesperson of the Ministry of Attorney General told the Western Standard. As set out, by, as set out in the response to civil claim, the province and the provincial health officer deny the allegations made by the CSA and say the orders, uh, the orders made in response to the COVID-19 pandemic are lawful and fully comply with the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Bullshit. Bullshit. And you're going to get caught. You're about to get caught. <clears throat> CSA says it will continue to take all responsibility, ne uh, all reasonably necessary precautions to protect the identity of any high-level government whistleblowers within Dr. Henry's staff another government entity or those in the in the private sector that may communicate with us from time to time. If requested, we can make arrangements for encrypted telephone, video, uh, email, or text. <clears throat> well, that's a little hint onto what they've got, isn't it? 
It sounds like they've got whistleblowers on the inside basically telling them what we already know, that they didn't have evidence for these uh, lockdowns, for these emergency actions. So, yes, it's a, it's a little bit of a ways away. Um, the next, uh, just to, to reiterate what we, what we learned here, uh, the next... Oh, boy, where I lost the part. There it is right there. Okay, so the next planning conference is on September 27th, 2021. And make sure you go to um, the Canadian Society for the Advancement of Science in Public Policy's webpage. And you will be able to actually listen in on that. Uh, the public has every right. And the judge, this is a good judge. Like, listen to how this judge has slapped the government down, you know, two or three times already in this case. Just trying to stall and everything else. It's it's just, it's staggering to see what the government is actually just, just dirty pool again. Just like the FDA approval of uh, of the Pfizer vaccine. That's all they've got is dirty pool lies and stalling tactics. And they're going to try to get out of this on any technicality they possibly can. So let's really hope that the plaintiffs, um, you know, the Canadian Society for Advancement of Science and Public Policy, uh, really are careful with the litigation here and make sure that they dot all their I's and cross every single T and don't give them any, any loophole to get out of this because that you can tell already what, by what they're trying to do here uh, by delaying and stuff is they're going to try to get any loophole they can to get Bonnie Henry out of testifying in front of these folks. And I want to see her nailed to a cross. I want to see every uh, provincial health officer, chief medical officer uh, nailed to the wall uh, for this. <clears throat> Heads are going to roll. They're going to start rolling. And, you know, it's getting bad. I, I realize that. But you got to stay positive through all this because <clears throat> this is creating so much opportunity for lawsuits, uh, discrimination suits, uh, class actions, all of this. You know, we're just starting to cover the lawsuits, the, the basically the pushback on all of this. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the media blackouts on all of this stuff is just phenomenal. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. The next one we're going to cover is... Um, is uh, the Action for Canada uh, lawsuit with uh, Rocco Gelanti in BC? Now we we covered the timeline in that, but now uh, what 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 happened here is uh, Rocco and uh, Action for Canada basically did a uh, uh, they did a video explaining what it, what exactly is going on here. Now this is a fairly long clip, but um, we're not going to play all of it, but we're probably going to play ten to fifteen minutes of it. So. Simply because the more you know about these cases, um, the more fuel you have for your fires. Uh, I just, you know, I know I keep throwing this out there, but I, if you are, if you get discriminated against in any way, shape, or form, not that uh, just just being labeled and being excluded from society is the pure definition of discrimination, medical discrimination, and every single one of us has an actual, like, legitimate suit. But to, against any business that tries to refuse a service on our medical records. Uh, but th just the reason I'm focusing on this is because these are the professionals and we all have to really pay attention to what they're doing. So if you are considering uh, suing or, you know, a lawsuit or moving forward with action once you get officially discriminated against or you've already been discriminated against enough by your government, uh, if you want to go that way, then just talk to the Justice Center for Constitutional Affairs and maybe jump on one of their class actions. I mean, they're going to be overwhelmed. And, uh, you know, you got to also don't take it to heart if they don't take you on in the class action. Uh, because they're going to, you know, choose the people that benefit their, their uh, chance of success, uh, of course, over everybody else, right? You know, they're going to pick the, you know, the people that probably have uh, other disabilities and so on and so forth, right? Like anything that would increase their chances of a win in front of a judge or a jury, um, that's who they're going to go with. But regardless, let's listen to Rocco and uh, Action for Canada and just let's let them lay the groundwork for how they're, they're moving forward. My name's Rocco Galati. I'm sitting with Tanya Goff, founder of Action for Canada. On August 16th uh, uh, of this year, we presented a, statement, a comprehensive statement of claim uh, in British Columbia, which they, in British Columbia is referred to as a notice of civil liability spanning about 386 pages, uh, challenging uh, the uh, various COVID measures in the province of British Columbia. Uh, the statement of claim was uh, returned to us by the court with the file number two days ago, and it's date stamped on the, uh, August 17th. 
So anybody looking at that who might be confused because once they they issued the claim, they issued it the day after it was presented to them, which was the 16th. The statement of the claim has uh, uh, 20 plaintiffs, uh, Action for Canada, and 19 other private plaintiffs seeking constitutional relief and monetary damages for the for the uh, uh, damages caused to them because of the oppressive, uh, unlawful, criminal, and unconstitutional measures uh, implemented in that province uh, through the government and the chief medical officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry. The statement of claim canvases the history of COVID, the scientific and medical evidence, the law, and the constitutional rights that are violently and, and, and depravingly being violated against every citizen of that province and in fact, every citizen in Canada. The measures are not only oppressive and devastating, they are unscientific, non-medical, illegal, criminal and unconstitutional. They have had the effect, intentional or unintentional, of setting up a police state dictatorial regime with a singular aim and obsession with vaccination, regardless of whether that vaccination program is illogical, which it is. Furthermore, uh, the, the measures are clearly, it's not, it's not even in dispute anymore by any person who's not in a coma, that the measures are killing more people than, they, than the, the purported COVID deaths are. This is not a public health agenda we're witnessing in our country or around the world for that matter. It is a political socioeconomic control agenda. Uh, and all the facts uh, to support this proposition are set out in the statement of claim. We're, we're going to take the BC and Trudeau government to, to task through this claim. Uh, the, although the Prime Minister talks a lot of nonsense, his jurisdiction over the COVID measures is very limited, and it's limited to quarantine. You know, while he used the threat of federal vaccine passports as a political vote getter, he has no jurisdiction as a federal uh, government. Uh, the federal government has no jurisdiction whatsoever under the Constitution to enforce any medical treatment, that's provincial jurisdiction, and he knows it. Uh, because if he did, he could have put in the law before the election and it would have been challenged. The, so we're gonna take him to task and the first item on the agenda, once we serve the uh, government of Canada and government of BC is, is that we're in already preparing an application to stay the vaccine passports announced and uh, implemented, uh, which are being implemented by Dr. Bonnie Henry. It's, if you think about it conceptually and actually what the vaccine passports do is in a very sublime and dictatorial way is they encompass everything that's wrong with these measures. Uh, they, they are a vicious tool to enforce vaccinations, despite the fact that the Supreme Court of Canada has clearly ruled in many cases that no medical treatment can be, a medical treatment or procedure can be applied without the informed voluntary consent of that individual. The Supreme Court of Canada has declared that to be a right under section seven of the charter. So they're using these vaccine passports to exclude people from living their lives unless they are forcefully uh, forcefully given medical treatment they do not want voluntarily. This only happens in a police state. This only happens in a tyrannical dictatorship. And the other thing, and so the, the, these provisions, the, 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 the idea of a vaccine passport breaches as a tool of oppression, sections two and seven of the charter. What the other thing that's even more dangerous that the idea of a vaccine passport does is it divides fellow Canadians. And so it discriminates 
under Section 15 of the Charter based on medical condition. So if you don't want to take this vaccine because you've, you've calculated the risks and you don't choose not to take it, you're in a class of people now that's being discriminated from social society and from your basic rights. And so it divides Canadians and you, you don't need a rocket scientist or a sociologist uh, or history PhD to know that this kind of division that becomes increasingly hostile to, to the level of violence, it is inviting hostility and violence between one class of Canadians against another class of Canadians. And this is not what the Supreme Court of Canada has determined is good governance. The, the governments are under constitutional duty to engage in good governance. This is depraved. This is illegal. This is criminal. It's unconstitutional. And, and it's nonsensical. They tell you, they tell you that a vaccinated person can infect another vaccinated person. So scientifically and logically, what is the purpose in that context of having a vaccine passport? You're going to exempt vaccinated people from having to have a vaccine passport to do the things that unvaccinated people cannot do, but they can spread and be and be and re receive the COVID vaccine from other vaccinated people. So you can see very clearly that this is not a, a medical or health agenda. This is a political one. They want everybody vaccinated for whatever reason. And up to now, there's never been a problem with people exercising their choice. So you gotta ask yourself why, and we address this, why is the noose that the government is putting on Canadians getting tighter and tighter? Well, that's, that too is answered by history and human behavior. Throughout history, when a tyrannical, when tyrannical measures and a tyrannical government is not being su successful in its implementation of whatever agenda, they become more vicious until something has to give. So why are they becoming more vicious now? Here are the facts. Prior to COVID-19, so-called vaccine hesitancy, and I, we, we, we take offense to that term, vaccine hesitancy. Exercising your constitutional rights should not be smeared in the negative. So so-called vaccine hesitancy in Canada was between nine to 11%, let's call it 10%. So 10% of Canadians did not take vaccines, including annual flu vaccines. Part of this plan and agenda that the governments are clearly implementing is they want to see everyone vaccinated, therefore bring down vaccine hesitancy down to 0%. But here's the reality. According to Doug Ford, only 70% of Ontario adults, that means have been vaccinated, 30% of Ontario adults have not taken the first dose. Canada Health Canada says that in the 18 to 30 year uh, 30 age bracket, 67% of those kids, if I can call them that, because I'm over 40, uh, are haven't taken the first dose. In the states, only 52% of all Americans have taken the two doses. 42% of U.S. Marines have categorically said, we are not taking any COVID jabs. In other countries like Ghana, only 2.5% of the country has been vaccinated by choice. And if, you, and if you take a global, if you take a global rate, because in the developing world, like Pakistan, only 1%, have been vaccinated and now the government there is taking away people's cell phones, if you can believe it, as a coercive measure to vaccinate. So 
I, I was looking at it, I was looking at something the other day where it suggested only 10% of the world population has taken the first two doses. Uh, lies about stats fly, but what doesn't fly, what cannot lie is the number of doses bought and the number of doses administered. So you were told, we were told that everything goes back to normal once, uh, once a vaccine arrives. Well, as Bruce Coburn once sang, uh, the, the problem with normal is it keeps getting worse. Mm -hmm. So there's no back to normal. There's more depravity. There's more oppression. Justin Trudeau months ago announced the acquisition of X number of booster vaccines from now to 2025. They translate into the fact that if you've taken the first two here, you're gonna, you're gonna require another booster. All the vaccine passes say uh, that have been proposed, the vaccine passport expires in 90 days, meaning you have to get another shot after that to renew it. You will be expected to get four shots a year until the year 2025, when, according to a hypothetical report at John Hopkins University, after 2025, a new bug will appear on the radar called the SPARS. I'm not making any of this up. You look it up. So the let's flatten the curve for two weeks has evolved to uh, uh, we go back to normal with the vaccine has evolved to the normal is a vaccine. And I call it a vaccine. Uh, contesting that designation, every three months you're expected. Now, many people in my circles, and it's out there everywhere, said, well, you know, I would not normally have taken this, you know, this medical experiment, except I want to travel. I just want my life back. And you're not getting your life back. And so these measures are clearly not only oppressive, They've been fraudulently, in the most in the most criminal fashion, put been put forth in a systematic way by those who we have voted and entrusted to engage in good governance. So, uh, sitting next to me is Tanya Gaw, founder of Action for Canada, and uh, subject to anything she may want to add, we'll then take questions. Thank you. So uh, just a great outline of the case, uh, what they're fighting against. <clears throat> but always, uh, the key takeaway for me was um, what Rocco uncovered was the, um, the, um, the fact that the vaccine passport expires in 90 days. So basically, they are going to hit you up for a shot every quarter. So every 90 days, in order to keep your valid vaccine passport, you're going to have to get another booster. Four shots a year, my friends. Now, everybody that's being coerced into these shots right now, uh, people that you know and people that I know, um, they're not, they are not prepared for that. They think, they still believe that they can get, you know, uh, one, possibly two shots and be good to go for the rest of their lives, uh, take a little bit of a risk. You know, people that I've talked to are saying, you know, I understand it's a risk, but uh <clears throat> I, I just want to get back to normal. I want to travel. All the same things that you're hearing anybody that's being coerced into taking these shots uh, repeat. They are full. They do not. They are not prepared for the fact that they are going to be getting a shot every three months. Nobody's even aware of that. Uh, I myself, that was the first time that I'd ever heard that was uh, Rocco uh, was uh, reiterating that to us. So he's uncovered stuff that is... Uh, you know, completely not even being revealed to the public yet, which is, are you surprised by it? No, I'm not surprised by it. But people that are, you know, they didn't even want to get the shots, but because they think that they'll be able to return to a somewhat normal life if they just finally roll over and take the shot, are not prepared to, to hear that or find that out. Um, especially for people that it makes them sick immediately. Now, I know a lot of people that got the first shot and got extremely sick and they are very hesitant on getting the second one. And I know people that got ex extremely sick off the second one and are saying never again. So you've got a whole new category of people that have, 
you know, d done their part. Like we were saying earlier, every one of these people that uh, went out and got the shots um, did it for various reasons. Mainly we're talking about the, the ones that are coerced. But the, then you got the, the group of people that thought they were doing the right thing and helping protect their loved ones. Like these shots were sold to them. You know, you got to blame the people that, that gave them that narrative. But they, they are not prepared for to, to be continually getting shots till 2025 and then have a new, whole new virus. Like that's a that's not even a remote shocker uh, to me or to you or to anybody else that uh, <laughs> they're, they're just going to create and release a new virus. Spars, he called it. That doesn't even surprise me at all. <clears throat> um, but I want what I want to do next is I want to um, direct your attention to a study. Uh, this is a brand new study that um, basically compares, um, uh, this is MedRxiv, uh, the preprint server for health services. This comes to us by way of Yale University, uh, Cold Springs Harbor Laboratory. And the title of it reads, Comparing SARS-CoV-2 Natural Immunity to Vaccine-Induced Immunity, Reinfections versus Breakthrough Infections. Okay, so... It's a, it's a nice short uh, write up, so it's 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 gonna we'll go through the whole thing here. So uh, it, you guys you guys already know uh, what they found, but uh, it's it's a professionally done study, so it's worth uh, repeating to you guys. Abstract: Background reports of waning vaccine-induced immunity against COVID-19 have begun to surface. With that, the comparable long-term protection uh, conferred by previous infection with SARS-CoV-2 remains unclear. Methods. We conducted a retrospective observational study comparing three groups. Number one, SARS-CoV-2 uh, naive individuals who received a two-dose regimen of the BioNTech-Pfizer mRNA vaccine. And then two, previously infected individuals who have not been vaccinated. And three, previously infected and single-dose vaccinated individuals. Three multi, uh, multivariate lo uh, logistic regression models were applied. In all three models, we evaluated four outcomes. SARS-CoV-2 infection, uh, symptomatic disease, COVID-19-related hospitalizations, and death. The follow-up period of June 1st to August 14th, 2021, when the Delta variant was dominant in Israel. Uh, you guys have heard me say Israel is a goldmun for information, and people are using it. Uh, and the world government or the globalists do not like the fact that we have access to all that information. They've been trying to censor it, but it's just too late. When uh, when universities like Yale are getting their hands on the information, uh, you know it's already too late for them. Uh, the results, SARS-CoV-2 naive vaccines had a 13.06-fold increased risk for breakthrough infections with the Delta variant compared to those previously infected. With uh, When the first event Infection or vaccination occurred during January and February of 2021. The increased risk was significant for symptomatic disease as well. When allowing the infection to occur at any time before vaccination from March 2020 to February 2021, evidence of a waning natural immunity was demonstrated. Though SARS-CoV-2 naive vaccines had a 5.96-fold uh, increased risk for breakthrough infection and a 7.13-fold um, increased risk for symptomatic disease, SARS-CoV-2 naive vaccines were also uh, at a greater risk for COVID-19-related hospitalization uh, hospitalizations compared to those that were pre previously infected. Conclusion. This study demonstrates that natural immunity confers longer-lasting and stronger protection against infection. Symptomatic disease and hospitalization caused by the Delta variant of SARS-CoV-2 compared to the BNT162B2 two-dose vaccine introduced immunity. Individuals who were both previously infected with SARS-CoV-2 and given a single dose of the vaccine gained additional protection against the Delta variant. Uh, and that's pretty much it. So... <clears throat> Um, basically what it's telling you is that people that were naturally infected and were unvaccinated basically have the best protection against Delta. But it also gives you a little uh, in insider of, you know, people that had one uh, previously infected with SARS-CoV-2 and had a, had a single dose of the vaccine gained additional protection against the Delta variant. More than likely because 
they had the original infection. It probably has nothing to do with the vaccine, but they can't realistically prove that. Um, they're just seeing a bit of a better recovery rate for people with one shot as opposed to two. But the, the fact of the matter remains that people that were unvaccinated basically can fight off Delta and every other variant that we're going to see in the future. And now this directs my attention to the next, uh, the mainstream is going absolutely bonkers right now, trying to discredit ivermectin. And mainly the fact that people are taking uh, animal meds, animal ivermectin and so on and so forth. Well, when the government of Canada blocked uh, the human ivermectin, people turned to whatever they could get. I don't blame anybody. Uh, you know, even on this show, I've, I've, I've advised against horse paste, but people are buying that up as well. Now, as we've gone through before, we, we do know that the horse paste is actually helping some people uh, with adverse effects from the vaccine, but it still is not my recommended uh, way of administering uh, this type of ivermectin to yourself. I would get the ivermectin injectable, and, uh, you know, there's a strict, as we've gone through plenty of times on this show, there's a strict dosage that you've got to follow because the animal stuff is more concentrated. Now, you've got everybody and their dog trying to smear people that are go picking this route. But when your government is actively suppressing and blocking you from getting the human meds, people are going to go around them. This is something we've learned all the time. Like, I don't know why this keeps surprising people. Um, you know, I've, I myself know seven people that have cured COVID now with um, with ivermectin injectable or or offshoots of it, the exact same product, just different different makes, right? Um, and three of them had the Delta variant. So I just, you know, I honestly, all the power to you. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm as you guys are aware, I've basically gone through what I've done. I, I'm letting you know that I'm walking around perfectly uh, fine, healthy. I've been going to the hospital in Regina now uh, with COVID outbreaks now starting to uh, ramp up, Delta outbreaks, without a single worry because I have myself on a prophylaxis regimen of ivermectin. And I really don't give a flying fuck what the mainstream media says about the fact that it's, it's, an, it's an animal application. We, what we know about ivermectin is it, it was created for animals originally. They realized it had potential for an antiparasitic in people. And it's gone uh, through multiple tests. So many, so many tests, it's unbelievable. And uh, that it, it's actually safer than Tylenol. Now you've got uh, reports of like a 500% uptake of like overdoses from ivermectin, animal ivermectin in people. Uh, but I really don't know where that study came from. I just, I, I, we'll see. I have, a, I have a hard time. It was the CDC reporting it. And of course the CDC, the, uh, the COVID death cult, uh, I like to call them. Of course they're going to try and smear anything that they, that they can. The, the reason they're going so hard against this is because of studies like this. Now this is the, there's so many people that I've seen online on social media platforms that are just going after the animal end of it, they don't even realize that they're making themselves look like idiots because there's actually been 63 studies on this. I think there's actually even more, uh, but this, this one basically shows us the, the original 63, 44 of which have now been peer-reviewed. So they've been uh, reviewed by peers, uh, other doctors and scientists all over the world, and they are getting amazing results from it. So let's just look at let's just look at some of the um, the treatments like where the percentages in in these this is a summary of all the trials uh, in all studies which is sixty three as a prophylaxis ivermectin is rocking an eighty six percent effective uh, efficacy rate in early treatment it's at seventy two percent and in late treatment it's at forty two percent the patients this was tested on was twenty six thousand four hundred and twenty two. In the peer review studies, the prophylaxis numbers stay exactly the same. It's 86%. Early treatment actually goes up to 75%, and late treatment goes up as well to 43%. This was in 17,082 people. In the randomized control trials, there was, um, there was 31 studies. The prophylaxis numbers are 84%, the early treatment is 61%, the late treatment is 30%, and that's in 6,561 patients. Now tell me that th those numbers aren't encouraging, especially the prophylaxis numbers. You know, and I bet you it's even higher than that. 
You know, so what we're going to do is we're going to scroll down a little bit here and get into this a little bit deeper. <clears throat> okay, so the introduction to all of these studies is we analyze all significant studies concerning the use of ivermectin for COVID-19. Search met methods, inclusion criteria, effect extraction criteria, more serious outcomes have priority. In all individual study data, PRISM answers and statistical methods are detailed in Appendix 1. We present random effects, effects meta-analysis results for all studies. For studies within each treatment stage, for mortality results, for COVID-19 case results, for viral clearance results, for peer-reviewed studies, for randomized controls trials, and after ex exclusions. We also perform a simple analysis of the distribution of effect studies. If treatment was not effective, the observed, observed, excuse me, observed effects would be randomly distributed or more likely to be negative if treatment was harmful. We can compute the probability that the observed percentage of positive results or higher could occur due to change with an, an ineffective treatment. Um, analysis of uh, publication bias is more important and adjusts, adjustments may be needed if there is a bias towards publishing positive results. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So these, so they did a, the prophylaxis study is regularly uh, take medication in advance to prevent or minimize infections, early treatment, treat immediately on symptoms or shortly thereafter, and late treatment, late stage after disease has progressed. Now these are your results. Okay. Um, early treatment. Number of studies reporting positive effects, 24. Total number of, of studies is 27. Percentage of studies reporting of positive effects is 88.9%. Uh, okay, late treatment. Number of studies reporting positive effects is 20. Uh, total numbers of studies is 22. Percentage of studies reporting positive effects is 90.9% late treatment. That is unbelievable, the studies. So there's only two studies out of the 20 in late treatment that didn't report positive effects. That's crazy. Okay. The prophylaxis, the number of studies reporting positive effects was 14. Total number of studies was 14. Percentage of studies reporting positive effects 100%. 100%. And here you go. Uh, all, all studies, numbers of studies reporting positive effects is 58. Total numbers of studies is 63, as you guys well know. Percentage of studies reporting positive effects is 92.1%. 92.1%. So... <clears throat> It's, it's, this is proven. This is peer reviewed. 44 of these studies are peer reviewed. What is it that these people are arguing against other than the fact that people have been forced to, to resort to using animal meds? Which basically, if you get your hands on the right brand, is just a higher concentration. They, they, they'll never get this. You know, I, I argue with people about this all the time on socials, and uh, I basically get you're, you're promoting a, uh, a parasitic drug as a treatment for a viral for a for a viral infection and it's like mother of god you don't even understand what we are talking about the fact that antimicrobials which ivermectin is are showing positive results with vi uh, viruses and uh <clears throat> it, with bacteria infections as well don't forget that and there's also studies which we've gone through on this show quite a, it was probably a few episodes back now uh, ivermectin or antimicrobials are also showing positive results when it comes to uh, specific types of cancer. So what, it, you know, I just, it just, you know, the, the most frustrating part for me is the sheep. You know, the people that just, uh, echo, they're, they're an echo chamber for mainstream media lies and it, it gets under my skin every time I have to, I'm confronted with it because they just don't spend the time that we do. You know, the people that are, that are basically holding out on, on getting this shot, that are looking into all these studies, um, you know, every single doctor, even on our side, doesn't recommend using animal products. And I, I myself don't, but I do also realize that Canadians have, have no fucking choice. 
They can't get the human ivermectin. So people are going to do what they feel necessary to survive and protect themselves against COVID without taking experimental fucking medical procedures. And we don't give a flying fuck what the media says. So, with that being said, I will still keep going in and out of Regina General while my mom is there and not have a f single fucking worry about catching COVID or the Delta variant because I'm aware that there are studies that show 100% positive results as a prophylaxis. What other, what other treatment can actually boast that? None. There's none, my friends. There's actually none. There's nothing that effective on the market for fucking COVID or any variant right now. Nothing. Nothing. So you carefully dose properly with a higher concentration, you dilute it properly, and you treat, you self-treat. <clears throat> I'm not saying you should do that, but I'm just telling you what I myself am doing. And I don't give two shits about any of these sheeple uh, regurgitating mainstream media talking points on very, very skewed views. Uh, a lot of them are talking about like the one or two studies that didn't have positive results as a prophylaxis. As you guys remember, there was what, 22, 22 studies? Let's just reiterate that one more time. Pro 14, there wasn't any as a prophylaxis. There was 14 studies showing positive effects and the total number of studies was 14. The percentage of studies uh, reporting positive effects was 100 fucking percent. 100 fucking percent. There is no such thing as any drug that is that effective pretty much on, on anything, let alone COVID. So all the power to everybody that to, that stepped up and uh, did what you had to do to protect yourself without taking experimental medical procedures. And you know, as this as this world gets crazier and crazier, uh, it's almost like um, uh, their predictive analytics never even considered that there was people like you and me that thrive in fucking chaos. And and the crazier it gets, the better we're gonna do. Now, looking at these court cases that we went through today. Uh, I would say that uh, it's looking really good. I know that the outlook is bleak. Everybody is, you know, you go, you have a week where you're down, the next week you're up. But you can, you can use every part of this to your advantage. Like Chef and I were talking this morning and he said something that actually just blew, it just, you know, one of those, your mind just exploded because it's brilliant. He said he's going to just start wearing a yellow star of David around. And, and if that's not going to hit home to people that are on the side of this, what exactly we're going through in this country... I don't know what will, because that's exactly what we're going towards. And I think that the fact that uh, Chef thinks great in chaos as well, uh, it just goes to show how you can use their own shit against them like that. Because, you know, if I decide to walk into my local grocery store with a yellow star of David on it, how is that going to make the people that are trying to enforce um, COVID passports feel? Like I've said in previous episodes, we are very aware of who the people who would have hit Anne Frank are and who the people are that would have turned her in. Well, we're getting to the better part of the hour, so <clears throat> I guess we better shut this one down. <laughs> I feel like I could rant for hours. Uh, sorry, um, it's been a little bit of a gap uh, in between episodes, but as you guys know, life is, is busy for, for a lot of us, so... I'm kicking out episodes whenever I can. There used to, um, you know, I, I wish there was a bit more of a, a steady rhythm to them so you guys knew when they were coming out and maybe when uh, things slow down a little bit for me in the winter uh, where I get to more of a stable, uh, you know, nine to five and I've got, you know, all my extracurriculars, like all my animals are, are fed at a specific time. Uh, you'll see more regular outputs of the show. But as for in the fall, when I'm trying to do a bunch of things that I never got done in the summer and you're trying to get ready for the winter, I kind of just got to kick them out whenever I can. So I guess it is what it is. And thank you for your patience in between episodes. As you guys know, they're always going to come out. I just, uh, at this point in, in the year, I'm extremely busy and just, uh, you know, doing everything I can to make sure all the critters and family and everything else is, is looked after. So um, as always, if you want to uh, reach out to the show and myself personally, you can find me on Facebook. It's Canadian Patriot Radio. Use the message button. It comes directly to me. If you want, you can use email. It's Canadian Patriot Radio at gmail.com. Um, you can also sign up for my personal favorite. If you're on Telegram, great. Then all you got to do is look up this address, t.me backslash Canadian Patriot Radio, and you can join the ongoing conversation there, which is absolutely great. I love everything on that 
uh, <clears throat> everything that this, that's going on in that channel. And if none of those are quite your uh, your cup of tea, then you can also visit the website, which is CanadianPatriotRadio.ca. So with all that being said, my friends, until next time, with all thy sons, command. joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.